0: Question for you. Has your ego ever held you prisoner, killed your dreams, or stolen your peace? The title of this segment is The Ego, Slave Master, Murderer, and Thief. Ask yourself, in what ways did your ego accomplish these things? Holding you captive, killing something that you wanted to bring to life and nourish into maturity, or stolen what you felt was rightfully yours, like peace, happiness, or joy? We've all experienced self-sabotage by way of the ego in a variety of forms, but the core content of these scenarios is always the same. In this final monthly installment for the Year of Our Lord 2014, we'll continue the discussion from our previous segment on November 20th to help you understand the inner workings of the ego and how relinquishing the ego through forgiveness will offer the inner peace we all aspire to. We will also discuss the idea of specialness, the ego, and the body and how others who arrive on our paths deliver the truths about ourselves that desperately need to be examined if peace is ever to be embraced. Who better to explore these concepts with than someone who has studied the course since before it was published, was a close personal friend of Bill Thefford, Ph.D., who was the co-scribe of A Course in Miracles, and has served on the board of directors of the Foundation for Inner Peace, publisher of the course since 1992, Robert Rosenthal, M.D., joins me on the second Thursday of each month at 3 p.m. Eastern to discuss topics from the perspective of A Course in Miracles. Additional commentary is frequently offered from Dr. Bob's book, From Plagues to Miracles. He is a board-certified psychiatrist in private practice near Princeton, New Jersey, and is the author of From Plagues to Miracles, The Transformational Journey of Exodus, From the Slavery of Ego to the Promised Land of Spirit, which interprets the biblical story of Exodus. Just so you know, these segments are presented in virtual class format. Dr. Bob will give a brief discourse and we'll move into some discussion. You are welcome to participate in the discussion by dialing 347-934-0751. If you are listening to the archive on Blog Talk Radio or iTunes, your questions and comments are always welcome. Connect with us on Facebook at From Plagues to Miracles and Spiritual Insights Radio. You can also visit our websites at fromplagues and SpiritualInsightsRadio.com There you can find all of the segments on A Course in Miracles in an organized format And on com you can also read excerpts from this marvelous and inspiring book Without further ado, welcome back to the show Dr. Bob
1: Thank you Shar. and as always uh, it's great to be here talking to you um, Seems like the uh, time just whizzes by We've
0: done a whole year of this but, uh, already
1: um, yeah, we have, haven't we? Yeah, it's been, More it's even, been I
0: think. Experience. Definitely yep. more, but it's neat to have the brackets of, you know,
1: yeah,
0: the bookends right there. We did a whole year, and it's been marvelous, really a, a fabulous experience. And we continue to just have the most amazing conversations and inspiring so many people. So I, I just love what we're doing. Yeah, so, I'm
1: hoping so- that... Um, I'm sorry, I was going to say I'm hoping that our listeners, uh, in particular those who are listening um, archived, uh, use it as an opportunity to do deeper exploration. I mean, the beauty of this for me, and I know for you as well, is that it gives us a chance to sort of focus in on a particular topic and you know, read about it in the course, read about it in From Plagues to Miracles, but also just you know, let it percolate and uh, see what else comes out. So um, I, I see these as lovely opportunities for all of our minds to kind of you know meet in that space of oneness and come out with greater insight and uh, greater understanding.
0: Absolutely, we all learn together, as we say. I, I meant to. Indeed. I wanted to ask you: Did you hear about the new movie on Exodus?
1: I thought you Oh yes. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. I have been aware of the Exodus movie um probably since the summer. Uh of course I didn't know what it was going to be like back then. Since then I have seen the trailer. Um what I'll say for it is it looks like a real Hollywood extravaganza with amazing special effects. I watched a tr- uh, a show on it on uh, HBO and it looks like they built you know they built these major sets from scratch. I mean it sounds like they went and built the pyramids all over again uh, only without slaves doing the work. But is it going to give you any real deep insights into the spiritual journey? I'm not holding my breath. It looks like they turned it into almost more of a battle type cataclysmic thing. Uh so um I see it as a giant opportunity for all of us to um, let people know that there is another way, uh, a better way of looking at Exodus, a deeper way that can speak to us very personally. So if if Ridley Scott and uh, Hollywood give us kind of the external image-based Exodus extravaganza, I like to think that From Plagues to Miracles gives us the quiet, um, deeper road uh, into the soul and spirit. But I I am going to be um, doing as much promotion around it as possible, including a a Goodreads contest. If you're on Goodreads and want to try to win a copy of the book, um, I will be giving away three of them uh, right after the New Year's. Um, if you are a Hay House fan, uh, we will be featuring the book tomorrow, the day the movie opens, on the Hay House Facebook page and again a week later, and I will be um, hopefully putting up choice quotes and tidbits uh you know, from my book, uh, all through the next week or two. Um, if you're on Twitter, Hay House will be sending out uh, tweets about my book. I don't do Twitter, but I did write all the tweets for Hay House. So yeah, we're we're going to have fun uh, with the release of the movie. Um, and as a former screenwriter, uh, it, it's just kind of amusing to me that you know that there's a big a big movie that I had nothing to do with, and I'd much rather have written the book than that I did than uh, be a part of the movie. Um, <laughs> Spirit God uh, knows where we're all supposed to be, and this is where I'm supposed to be. But thank you for bringing that up. You're welcome. I,
0: you know, I do want to see the movie. <laughs> However, I do stand on your book for the, the the interpretive value of the plagues of each of the plagues and how miracles came out of those. And I, I recommend your book to all my students, of course. So it's thank you. that's you know, like I like I said in the in the testimonial when I first read it. If ever there is a bridge between the Bible and a course in miracles, this is it. So, from Plagues to Miracles is where it's at. If you're new to the course and would like a primer, get Dr. Bob's book. Go to his website, from com, Get a copy. It'll knock you back about 20 feet, like it did for me. That it was it was life changing. <laughs> it really was. It's such so impactful.
1: You know, and I, I hear that from from many different people, um, and. And, and you know there's no greater um joy that that a writer can have than to know that you know his or her ideas and uh and words can can go out and and make that kind of a difference i mean that was very much my experience when I wrote the book uh of thinking that I was writing one project, and literally I wrote an entire book that had about twenty five percent in it of what the current published version has and then realized that there was a whole different, that, that this was the spiritual journey, and that the different miracles of Exodus marked different stages of spiritual development. And, um, you know, it's not A Course in Miracles, it doesn't, give the exact philosophy of A Course in Miracles. So if you are a course student, um, sure, you'll be able to say, well, but that's not the course, and that's not the course. But what I do attempt is to take the story and really follow it fairly closely from the Bible, not quite chapter and verse, but closely, uh, and show how seen through the lens of A Course in Miracles where the figure of Pharaoh represents the ego mind, and the figure of Moses represents the Holy Spirit and the Christ mind, that which still connects us to God and always will and then when we look at it that way, man, it just pops into you know four dimensions and becomes something completely different than uh, the Ridley Scott movie or the charlton Heston movie or you know or or anything that you know that 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 I've seen before on on the Bible, so I'm really you know just so pleased that it's it's had that impact on people um and you know i've been very careful not to try to push it through traditional means publicists uh i'm very clear holy spirit is my publicist and the book will find its way to whatever readers are, are ready for it and whatever time frame that's supposed to happen but the fact that there's a you know probably half billion dollar movie out on Exodus sure doesn't hurt. So thank you nope. Holy Spirit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nope, doesn't <laughs> hurt at all. And and of course nope. I'm, I'm I'm sure will it will be very what's the word fantastical with the, like you said the special effects. Um and, and we'll look at the surface, but again like you said yours is I like the phrase you use four dimensional because you took it. You took the whole story and interpreted it as if you were interpreting a dream. And you used real stories of patients' experiences and and how you could see the battle their ego was waging inside them. And then as a trained psychiatrist, you were able to offer um, additional information on the way the mind works. So for me, it was a win-win because I love all of that. And you just wove it together like a beautiful quilt.
1: Thank you. I'm very fond of quilts and tapestries and weavings and uh if if as a writer uh that's what I was able to do, I'm I'm real pleased about that.
0: Yeah, well you know how I feel about the book. But after yeah. our last segment, yeah. Doctor Bob, I um I was I was sitting quietly, uh, as I do. And I just like to kinda of marinate in the feeling that overcomes me when we do these segments, which is um an overwhelming feeling of peace and understanding, and just very comfortable in my own skin. So I like to sit with that, and I had a pretty amazing experience where a message came through without me asking for a message. And I'd like to read that for the audience, and I had sent a copy of it to you in my excitement, but in our discussion today uh, towards well, at whatever point Spirit would like us to talk about it, we can uh, touch on, the concepts that are raised, okay?
1: Oh, I, I think that would be a great place to start. Oh, okay. I mean, it was so beautiful and so so direct. Why don't we start there and we'll work our way to wherever, uh, you know, wherever else uh, we need to go. I mean, there were areas, I, I guess, if, if you know, listeners should know, this is a part two, that there was, an, you know, an earlier segment also on the ego, slave master, thief, and murderer. Um, and we're going to be continuing with some of those concepts. We'll probably be, you know, revisiting some of them. Um, we'll take them in some new directions. We'll incorporate more course concepts. But what what Char got was so beautiful and so spot on that, you know, I'd rather let's just, you know, load it up front here and uh, start running with that.
0: Okay. Sounds good. Okay. So here's the message I got. And then I ran to my computer to type it as quickly as I could because the energy of these messages is so pure and the ego doesn't want you to get these messages, so it has these uh, interesting tricks to make you forget or block it out. Uh, If you are a seasoned course student, you'll notice that very often throughout your study as you got to the bottom of either a paragraph or a page, as you go to turn the page, you immediately forget what you just read. And you'd have to go back and reread it again until it saturates uh the your conscious awareness so that you can retain it, so for that reason, I ran to my computer and typed it up and here's what was said to me by the voice. We have to look at our hopes and fears, our expectations and biases. These are the splinters the ego uses to create cracks in our inherent wholeness, and it's the ego that creates the quote mask we call the personality to protect us from what's inside us, and yet in this vast illusion those who would trigger those fears into immediate awareness and reaction, manage to find us. They always manage to find us.
1: Mm, Get the chills.
0: Yeah, I know, I get the chills because no matter what we do, to avoid what we would label as an unpleasant experience or a humiliating experience or something that forces us to grow, look at how we fold ourselves like a like a piece of origami to avoid things and yet someone always shows up and then there's something we have to face so what would you like to say about that
1: well you know the piece at the end that the the people we need the people who will trigger us always find us is i mean the ego can hear that in a very mysterious way and bend it to reinforce its sense of specialness Look at me! I get these amazing people showing up in my life. I'll bet nobody else does that, or only the uh, the, the chosen, select few. Um, but actually, this is how the path back to God and Spirit happens. This is this is how it unfolds. And so, in that sense, you know, the people who show up in our lives, whether we recognize them as as real spiritual companions or whether they drive us absolutely freaking crazy with, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, negative emotion, they really are our greatest teachers and that Mm -hmm. they show up at the point where we are ready to deal with the lesson that they bring up. And in that sense, and what I love about this is it, it, it takes the whole idea of a plague from my book uh in that a plague is a circumstance where you're relying on your ego mind to to get you through to give you the interpretation of what's happening and of course that means that you are operating from that that pharaohic, you know ego is king mindset and the plague is going to be pretty nasty uh, and, until you open up and get the miracle. So what what this says is our relationships do the exact same thing. They can function as plagues or they can function as miracles, depending on how we um, let them in. And uh, as a psychotherapist, this has been one of the great gifts and joys of, of my life, is to see how people who walk in in the first session and I'm sitting there and my clinical ego is going, oh, okay, they have this disorder and they have this disorder. And on top of that, they're really not terribly likable, are they? Um, Of course, because they're suffering. That within a a fairly short time, as I really get to join with someone in, 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 in the work of healing, in the work of love, they 're wonderful they 're beautiful they 're resplendent human beings um happened to me today with someone who you know years and years ago when he first uh you know came into my office i, I was so rigid and judgmental and and I, I of course I felt completely judged by him uh and you know today shared with me how very helpful and that he doesn 't say thank you enough, and you know it's a moment of healing and and so I think that these, you know, these are the gifts of healing. Anyone who's in your life, however difficult you think they may be, they are presenting probably your greatest opportunity to heal. And that doesn't always mean that the external relationship is gonna, you know, perk up and become the love of your life um, or pure peace. Sometimes the relationship can remain very difficult and very contentious for years and years and years. But to the extent that they help you see where you're being triggered where um your ego mind jumps in where you feel judged where you feel unseen unrecognized unloved they are exposing those fissures uh those splinters as 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 you channeled um and therefore allowing them to be healed and it takes me um it reminds me of two sections uh in a course in miracles One from the teacher's manual, which essentially echoes the idea, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And when the teacher is ready, the student appears, because we are both teacher and student. That Mm -hmm. is, you know, when our path takes us to a certain point, we get the person that we either have some karma to work out with or who will most help us in in moving on. And from Plagues to Miracles, um, this is represented, uh, you know, by the burning bush. Where Moses can't confront Pharaoh on his own. He he's too insecure about how he speaks. And God says to him, Fine, here's your brother Aaron. He's this amazingly gifted speaker. You know, he can go and talk to Pharaoh for you, but you are still you know, you are still the messenger. He's just a mouthpiece. Um and, and so people can show up to provide us with those miracles or they can show up really, as I said, just to um because we're ready to heal a very, very deep and painful hurt. And there's a section in A Course in Miracles in the text called For They Have Come that is a favorite of many, many course students that says, you know, the holiest spot on earth is where an ancient hatred has become a present love. I'll say it again. Mm -hmm. The holiest spot on earth is where an ancient hatred has become a present love. So when these people show up as they will, who trigger us massively, we have an opportunity to create the greatest holiness that, that the physical world can ever embrace. And, you know, how privileged is that, that we, individual human beings, have that capacity for healing, for love, for wholeness, for reconciliation, that it's in our hands. Uh, it's in our hands. We just have to be willing first to recognize it, and second, to choose to do it. So I love the way what you got, Char, just um, shines a light on the fact that all of our relationships are here for healing. If we view the world through the eyes of what A Course in Miracles calls Christ's vision, which is really um, moving out of the Christian terminology, just a way of saying seeing it through the eyes of what of how God would see it, were God able to enter the world of illusion, which he, she, it is not, that when we look Mm -hmm. at it in that perspective, when we look at it as the Holy Spirit, the Shekinah, um, sees it, it's only here for healing. You know, all of the various traps, all of the diversions, all the things we think we want, as well as all of the bad things and the negatives, um, they're all really here for us to heal. So, for example, I've been, you know, paying a lot of attention to um, the big item in the news these days, which is the release of the CIA, um, you know, Uh. the the Senate investigation into the CIA's torture. Uh And I'll watch how my ego is triggered, you know, the horrible things done to these prisoners. And yet some of these prisoners did horrible things as well and the people administering the torture, and yet some of them didn't want to do that, and were told to, and, you know, and the people at the top who were operating out of fear. And it's a beautiful um, Rorschach. It's a litmus test uh, opportunity. Do you see it through the eyes of the ego? Because, man, it's so easy to go to judgment about all of the parties involved. Uh Uh, And, you know, when I look at uh, Dick Cheney's face, and I immediately go to, wow, that is one angry human being. Um, and not to say that he isn't, but where is that anger coming from and what response should it ultimately call forth from me? If I am in the business of healing the world as best I can, the world as I perceive it, then Dick Cheney and his angry sneer offers me a wonderful opportunity to see all those places in myself where I'm projecting my own anger, my own judgment, my own sense of righteousness out onto the world and to heal it through the persona of Dick Cheney or through the persona of the torturers or through the persona of these horrible terrorists who we've judged and consigned to Guantanamo all the relationships are here for healing purposes and and when you operate from the place of ego you don't do that you do further you know you split further you judge you attack you defend thinking that uh you know that that in your defense uh you're justified um but really you're you're just splitting the world apart even more And when we make that decision to choose a better way, as uh, Bill and Helen, uh, Bill, Bill, (laughs) Bill and Helen Shuckman did in this in describing, maybe you know they are just two polarities of one being, uh, you know. So Helen Thetford and Bill Shuckman, I don't know. Uh, But when we make that choice to see another person's interests as aligned with our own, and this is right out of the manual for teachers, and of course in miracles, that is the first step in healing. Um, That is the first step in healing the entire planet, because instead of judging them, we're realizing that we're walking the same path with them, that they are our companions. Um, And, you know, from there, healing is inevitable. You know, the Course tells us over and over that the journey is already complete. You know, the oneness of God's Son, that is to say the oneness of, of who we all are, it's 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 not in the world of time. The world of time is this illusion where, whereas the course would put it, you know, a single instant is being relived over and over and over and over again, um, and 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 you know we just think that it's something new or something fresh, uh, but at the end of the line, it's already healed. We're already there. So why quote unquote waste time? You know, let's let's use time for the only real purpose it has, which is healing. And if we heal, we actually save time. Uh, so yeah, I I am so. I mean, I when you sent me the email with with that channeled um, you know uh, uh, comment, I immediately you know cut and pasted it into my uh, my archives of, of things that I want to save because I thought it was just just so perfect, um, you know. And and we we think that a splinter is a bad thing, you know, get that splinter out of here. And a lot of people irritate us the way splinters irritate us. But really, um, you know, just as the body has the ability to incorporate the splinter into itself to the point where it's no longer a splinter, it's just part of the body, we have the ability to, to revision the oneness of all of our relationships, um, no matter where they are, whether they're lifelong challenging learning situations or whether as the course describes it, it's simply, you know, getting in an elevator with someone and sharing a smile. These are all healing opportunities. These are all opportunities for, for receiving those splinters and incorporating and healing them so that, you know, there's just one spirit body. uh, And that is just love and light. uh, uh, And from that pours forth miracles.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, um, <laughs> I didn't mean to talk that long. That's okay. Yeah. You
0: know when when because when we talk about this and, and we kind of, I, I I assume it's similar for you. You kind of jump off. You jump off the springboard and then you just follow these energy threads and it it's kind of windy and and a feeling of floating and things like that. So even when I go to listen to the archives myself, I still get that, I'm still immersed in that energy. So don't never apologize for talking too
1: long. <laughs> you know, it, it's so... my ego stepping in and going, whoa, I just talked a long time. Uh, yes. Yeah. It, as you said, it, it, it's all, it's guided. And, you know, even as I'm talking, more information is getting downloaded, more associations are being made. Um, and as I see it, Really, that's the purpose of of our holy healing relationship here is to Mm -hmm. be able to provide a forum for both of us to do that, that then hopefully ripples out into the world of our listeners and perhaps even those who aren't listening um, directly and allows them to do the same. And and so the, um, the circle of healing, the circle of atonement grows ever wider.
0: Right. Right, absolutely. Well, I loved everything you said, and like you said, that was just your ego accusing you of being long-winded, and that is not the truth, sir. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. But I'd like to. Um, I took some notes, and of course, again, the experience was as I was writing some things, you started saying it, um, or something similar. So that remarkable. was that's always fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when when we when we talk about specialness, I want people to uh, be clear on what that means, as opposed to special in terms of talented or unique, as is uh, a famous singer or um, ball player, or, you know, any kind of celebrity who has a lo- gets a lot of attention. They're in the spotlight. They seem special. Of course, uh, the course explains that special uh, is not something to aspire to because it further separation. And I wanted to point out a per- certain personality types, and you started talking about that. And the people I'm talking about are people that we would label as malcontents or complainers. And I also like the word recruiters. These are the types of people who say, and this is a, a very specific example, people, and it's easier to imagine these in the workplace, or you know, maybe we have a friend that, that tends to siphon our energy in in the amount of with the amount of time that they take for us to listen, but they're the ones who say, "Look at me," and want to tell you all their problems, and want to tell you all the events of the day, and who did what to them, and how they're the victim, and they're also the ones that say, "Look at me, look at all the problems I have, see how strong I am," and they don't realize what they're doing is laying out for you to have to listen to it and beating your eardrum with it. But if if we and we, well, we've we all done this at one point of our lives. If we sit and listen to what comes out of our mouths to people that we trust, that we feel we can un- unload these uh, experiences and our descriptions of them to them, if you just listen to what you're saying, you're naming every one of your triggers. Mm. And if anybody was listening and and wondering, well, how do I know what my triggers are? These Listen to what you think and listen to what you say and listen to how you feel. These are your triggers anything that makes you want to brag about your problems. You have to really look at why you do that. So I just wanted to touch on that. I was writing, I liked what you said. You said relying on ego mind to get you through with the natural reaction when we have a problem or a scenario that is uncomfortable. we The ego jumps in and we try to fix it through analyzation and through strategy. And it immediately further separation, and it becomes a case of us and them, winning or losing, triumph or humiliation, and we scramble to make it the more pleasurable experience and not the one on the bottom where we are the loser, the humiliated, the annihilated, you know. And avoid that, if you can't beat them, join them. We don't want to make that choice. We don't want to go against what we feel is right for us, but it's the ego that makes these determinations. So I wanted to ask you, Dr. Bob, in your professional practice, what are ways to deal with the triggers? To Go from psycho-spiritual, of course, you know, from professional no. practice as a psychiatrist and A Course in Miracles. How can we help the listeners uh, take that first step in dealing with the triggers to understand them and then choose more wisely in how to handle situations
1: um, in answering that, I have to, you know, presuppose that that we're all coming at this from a, a truly spiritual viewpoint. Because without that, uh, it is more difficult. But even then, it's very easy to say to someone. All right, you know, when you're with your mother-in-law and you're feeling so triggered and you just want to, you know, turn the table over and scream, um, what are you feeling? You know, does it feel good? Does it feel peaceful? And if you have allowed another person to bring you to a place where your emotions are, are, are that um, supercharged, mm-hmm. then you've given your power away completely. So the task then becomes um, not giving the power away. The task becomes realizing, as A Course in Miracles says in Lesson 34, I believe, I could see peace instead of this. So that rather than feeling like um, we are victims of the world, I see another course lesson. Uh, I am not the victim of the world. I see. Funny how they pop mm-hmm. up.
0: Um, uh-huh.
1: Even if you have no spiritual orientation, you can still look at any relationship in terms of, well, how would I rather feel? And and you know maybe when that person is just you know complaining and complaining or telling you. Um, the opposite of it, how wonderful they are and how they manage to solve all of these situations in such a clever way and you're feeling like, like they're putting you down or um, implying that you know they're really smart or brilliant or talented and you're not. Um, it's an opportunity to stay in your spiritual center or just to say, okay, they can feel however they feel. I don't have to join them in that. Um, the nature of emotion is contagious, and I'll, I, I tell this to all of my, um, my, my patients, uh, you know, emotion is contagious. If you're sitting in a room with someone who's very, very sad, you start to feel sad. Um, if you're sitting in a room with someone who's angry, you'll feel angry. Anyone out on the freeway who has someone you know zip by and cut in front of them in a very angry way knows just how contagious anger is It's way more contagious than Ebola um, and I remember in um, in medical school doing the experiment, and i don 't someone suggested this to me somewhere of take the most boring lecture that you 've got where everyone's almost falling asleep. And at some point, suddenly sit up and start writing furious notes while, you know, while staring at the lecturer as if they are sharing the most fascinating thing in the world, and see what the people around you do. And it was very <laughs> interesting. The people around you always perk up, because emotion is contagious. Now, if they perk up and look at the lecturer and they're still getting the same droning, boring stuff, they'll assume there's something wrong with you, and they'll go back to sleep. But affect emotion is contagious affect is the the psychiatry word for emotion so if we're around people and we catch their disease that doesn't help anyone we're just spreading the disease you know if you're around someone with Ebola you don't want to get the Ebola you want to shield yourself Um, you want to be able to heal them and help them get better so even without a spiritual framework um I would uh you know I would I would tell them that um but um if you have a spiritual framework, this becomes all the more powerful, in that uh, you get to say, "This is my brother who's walking the same path just behind me." You know, would if, if your two-year-old were, were were behaving obnoxiously, you know, would you feel insulted by them? Hopefully not. You'd recognize that that they're young, they haven't gotten there yet, and I don't mean that in any kind of uh, you know. Um, pejorative way. Uh, there are people who haven't woken up to their their fullness as spirit um, having a physical experience. There are people whose eyes are still closed, and every single one of us listening, and this applies to you, Shar, and me, just as well. If we go back far enough, we can remember when we were one of those. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I can go back and remember when I wasn't on a spiritual path, and how things felt, and how they looked. So, from this you know, from the perspective of a spiritual journeyer, we can actually have compassion um a Buddhist term that I think is equivalent to what a Course in Miracles would call love, or what um the judeo christian um Islamic tradition would call love um but I think it's they' they're they're just different refractions of the same feeling you know we can feel compassion um so in my therapy practice, that's how I would work with it. The other thing that I would add is that um, the psychiatrist um, Carl Gustav Jung, uh, who was a contemporary of Freud's but split with Freud, um, had a concept that he called the shadow. And the shadow um, would be all of those aspects of the self that we have disowned and disavowed because we have judged them unacceptable. But to the extent that we push them away, they're actually still really there. You know, they're the madwoman in the attic uh, screaming and going to burn the house down as, uh, uh, you know, taking a page from Jane Eyre. Um, the more we push them away, one, the more they rule our life, And two, the more we see them in other people and it infuriates us. So the worst homophobics are the people, are the men who are somewhat drawn to men and they hate that Uh idea and they're trying to push it away. Uh Um, The people who hate rich people the most are those who secretly really want to be rich people um, and just can't stand that, that impulse in them. And in that sense, back to what you had channeled, Um, when we realize that we are seriously triggered by another person, it's from a pure psychological perspective an opportunity to go, oops, there's my shadow. Uh, I'm seeing it in someone else because I projected it out into the world and I don't want to see it in myself. And if I continue to project it out into the world and say that person is bad and I'm going to judge them or worse still, maybe imprison them uh, or worse Still maybe kill them because they're different and they deserve to be killed because uh, the ego is fully capable of that mm-hmm. um, if instead of you know if i if I do that, then I'm making it worse for myself, and sh- the shadow will continue to play out in 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 more and more extreme forms, whereas the moment you stop and decide to face your shadow um at that point you are now doing healing work again and you're not trying to fix something that's inside of you projected out in the world you're dealing with it at its source you your mind uh, and you can begin to look at all those impulses in yourself uh, that 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 you that you had considered so unacceptable so that that's how you know therapy would come at it and and again this is this is really quite lovely because you can see how the spiritual and psychological growth Really do have a lot of overlap. Um, now you can use psychology, you know, to take you places that that aren't very good. Yes, sir, go out and get them, you know, or military psychiatry. You know, we're going to teach you how to be a better killer. Um, you know, I, I certainly couldn't go along with that. But if we're looking within, if we're trying to figure out where are we vulnerable, what are our Achilles' heels? You know, where basically, where are we enslaved to the ego? You know where is Pharaoh still lording it over us and forcing us to you know make all those bricks with uh you know uh with the same w- w- without an adequate amount of straw if we use it that way, then you know it all be that straw becomes golden um another metaphor that I'm very fond of is the old alchemist idea of turning lead into gold. And Mm -hmm. people take this literally and think that, you know, back in the Middle Ages, uh, you know, these, I mean, you know, some of the alchemists did do this. They'd sit around with beakers and flasks and, you know, pour different elixirs over lead trying to turn it into gold. But the real meaning of alchemy is, is, is transforming our earthly experience, the lead of our earthly experience, into the gold of the spiritual experience. Um, And in that sense, any time we can expose something within us that is unloving, that blocks us from realizing our, our, our true loving self as spirit and as at one with everyone else that we know, when we can expose that lead and work with it, own it as our projection, and ultimately heal it through the other person through embracing, you know, the, that, that, that woman who's driving you nuts or that guy who's sucking up to the boss and, you know, and, and making you look bad. When we can embrace it in that way, we, we are alchemists. We turn lead into gold. Um, I have a brief passage in my book alluding to that, but I, I didn't elaborate on it. Uh, and it's worthy of elaborating. You know, it's it's a beautiful metaphor. Do you want to mm-hmm. go around in a world that's full of lead? Or do you want to turn all that lead into gold? So um, did that uh, answer the question adequately? <laughs> about, you know, in my practice? Uh, wow. Uh, you know, what do I do with pe- Oh,
0: yes, absolutely. And and then touched on, it just pulls everything together in such a beautiful way. Because she said the magic word, projection. And it's huge. Because I, li- I liked what you said about, you know, face your shadow. And if all of us, no matter the issue, no matter how our ego deems it, big or small, um, minor or major, if we could only peer into the shadow and see the fear that is causing this reaction, all we have to do is take that fear and hold it up to the light. No more shadow. So hold it up to the light. See it for what it really is and then ask for guidance on that,
1: Right. I love it. I mean, I, I, I'm in the process of putting together a book of metaphors and sort of stories for the spiritual path and clever little sayings. And one of them is, you know, if you look toward the light, you see no shadow, not right. in, not yours, not anyone's. If you look away from the light, you you're, you're guaranteed to have a shadow, uh, and it's chained to you, and you'll never be able to get away from it. <laughs>
0: Absolutely, and and that's where Shadows of the Past and, of course, Miracles comes in. I absolutely love that chapter because I had so much in mm. the past to deal with. But, you know, yes, it, it applies to me, it applies to you, it applies to all of us because in the, the first, let's say, the first third of my life, I was in survival mode. I was just trying to figure out how to get by um, on all levels, physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, and spiritually. And I I did some things the hard way which is um, a tendency of mine, but it also gave me a chance to examine those issues thoroughly by doing it the hard way. Now I can say, okay, I I would like to see peace instead of this. What do I need to relinquish? Anyway, with going back to rejection, I don't know who first said this, but it's one of the most simplest statements I've ever heard and also one of the most true, and that is what we don't like in others. Is what we don't like in ourselves taking that and marrying that to what you said about when the student is ready the teacher appears and when the teacher is ready the student appears there is a reason for everything timing is always perfect and there are no mistakes there are miscreations but there are no mistakes and when you were speaking earlier about in from Plagues to miracles the burning bush and how moses was embarrassed he had a speech impediment is what you explain and he was embarrassed about his speech pattern so God says okay um giving you your brother Aaron he'll be the mouthpiece if we look at that yes. they were actually now a team and this was a lesson in work with the lesson not against it It wasn't all up to Moses, and it wasn't all up to Aaron. It had to be both of them together. And in any relationship, whether loving, balanced, or adversarial, it's still two people contributing to one scenario as a team. Only now we have to look at it from the perspective that you are performing spiritual teamwork, even with someone with whom you are at odds. At that point you had that little bit of a Freudian slip where you said Helen Thefford and Bill Shockman yeah. And it was after I had written my little note about what I just said, but then I went back and wrote Helen Thefford and Bill Shockman because that illustrates perfectly what I'm talking about now, how it's spiritual teamwork and how we can't get that healing without that other person, no matter how negative they are or how goofy they are, whatever you want to call them. However you want to compare yourself to them, which is the banana peel um, that will take you down that path, but that comparison will allow you to slip into lesson land, shall we Mm -hmm. say it. But you need that counterpart. You need the dualistic aspect of this illusionary world to get to the polaristic reality of scenarios in our lives that teach us the most. And yes, while the most negative people are our greatest teachers, everyone is a great teacher if we can kind of go to the microcosm of fear and then pull it up to the light, make it bigger, make it expand, bring it into the macrocosm, and then make it part of our awareness as we look upon everybody in our lives, all of our brothers, all of our sisters, and realize that they, like we, are merely thoughts of God in a human body dealing with the same fears that we are. Does that make sense? Exactly. And yes, you were correct. Lesson thirty four is I could see peace instead of this. It's kind of freaky how you do that. I did not endeavor <laughs> I did not endeavor to memorize the numbers, but I, I wanted to contribute another channeled message that I got, uh I would say in the past couple of years because you mentioned Ebola, you mentioned the terrorists And I said, what do I do? I don't know what to do um, to embrace this because my tendency was, well, if I sit here and watch all this stuff, I'm going to become depressed. And if I just flip it off and walk away, then that is avoidance. And I didn't want to do that either. I wanted to be at peace with what was happening. And the answer I got was that when we see, I know when this was, it was right after the shooting in Massachusetts with the children in Sandy Hill. Mm -hmm. I was so upset. Um, and, And tapping in a little too far into the fear that the children felt in the moments before their death, knowing that after their death they were brought back into the light, but I couldn't let go of the fear. And I was told, when you witness an event like this, admit to yourself that it is for the greater awareness to teach a lesson. And simply state, I am the light of the world. And one might say, well, that sounds kind of egotistical. Like, you're not special. You're not the light of the world. But it contains the greatest mantra, I am, which connects us all and connects us to God. And we are all the light of the world. And all we need to do is project that light onto these situations. Or in simpler circumstances, into our workplace before we get there. Into our home before we get home. Anywhere you are going, project light not fear and not thoughts of attack to bring about that healing that we so desperately need and I'll I'll let you
1: Yeah, that. you 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 just set me up. I mean, it's like a volleyball game. You do this beautiful thing and the ball goes around and then you just set me up for a spike so I'm going to spike it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I
1: love it. you know Sandy Hook. Um the CIA torturing uh you know i mean we pick any given week and there's there's some human horror um you know the tsunami in uh, indonesia years ago um the levels of of human suffering and you know the ego sees these and holds it up as in a sense on the one hand how horrible all these people dying and the secret sort of undercurrent there that we don't like to admit is, is we think to ourselves, holy cow, that could have been me. And wow, thank God it wasn't. So it becomes sort of this little personal dance with death and destruction, um, and, and a little bit of whistling in the dark. And we can certainly have empathy for other people who suffered because we've suffered. Um, But it doesn't free us from suffering. It actually enslaves us all the more. Now, the very first miracle principle of A Course in Miracles is there is no order of difficulty in miracles. One is not Mm -hmm. harder or bigger than another. All expressions Mm -hmm. of love are maximal. Um, The flip side of that, the corollary of that, is that there's no order of difficulty in terms of disasters, illusions in the world. Um, Mm -hmm. things can look absolutely horrible. And from an ego perspective, you can really ask, well, you know, come on, Char, how can there be light in Sandy Hook with all of this? I mean, you know, that's just pure Pollyanna. But it's actually a very, very useful um, scalpel for seeing the difference between the ego's thought system and spirit's thought system. So what spirit's thought system would say is that, yeah, you are living in a world defined by separation defined by um, fractured parts of god that don't know who they are anymore and therefore they're running around in fear and terror um, like the proverbial chicken with its head cut off on maybe that's an exact metaphor for all i know mm-hmm. um for our fear of death and collisions are inevitable bad things are going to happen um, death is going to happen. And that one form of disaster is really no different than another. You know, someone um, sort of looking at you in a snide way in the elevator and then, you know, shaking their head and laughing is as much an emblem of separation as Sandy Hook. Um They're all illusion, and the only way ultimately out is to recognize, yeah, this is the world of illusion where this stuff comes up. Do I want to be uh, a a, a fragment uh, of consciousness that sees itself confined to a physical body for a limited period of time, that if I'm lucky I get a good death and a life that sprinkles some happiness through it, Uh, and if I'm not lucky, oh man, you know, I can wind up at Guantanamo being tortured Um, Or do I want to heal this? In every Course in Miracles group that I have ever sat in, uh, and at many, many um, workshops, the question inevitably comes up when the topic of forgiveness is raised. It says, well, you know, what about Hitler? How do we forgive Hitler? How can Hitler ever be forgiven? Um, And it it goes to the same point as Sandy Hook. Well, at the level of the ego, of course Hitler can't be forgiven, because the ego understands forgiveness as letting someone off the hook out of the beneficence of your being a better human being than they are. And Hitler was so reprehensible that we can never let him off the hook. Um, Seen from the perspective of spirit, in which the Holocaust was just another perhaps more amped up and intense variation of the ego's basic divide and conquer and kill um, theme, which has been there going all the way back. Um, You know, the Romans, Genghis Khan, the Turks, I mean, think about any empire, the Crusades, Charlemagne. Mm -hmm. If you don't think that there was massive killing, that families were broken up, that children were murdered and destroyed, then, then you don't know human history. Um, so in that sense, it's just, you know, the, the latest uh, go-round of of the Ego's nightmare factory, the Ego's horror show, and we can either stand back and criticize it and, you know, say, that, that Hitler, we're going to kill him and we're going to torture him and we're going to stop, uh, you know, we're going to stop this from ever happening again. Well, you're not going to stop it by adding to it the only way to stop it. The only way to um, stop the war is to stop it inside your head, and when your perception shifts, then there's a chance that you will share that with other people, that their perception will shift, and that in that way, the world gradually becomes a better place. How did the United States of America happen? Well, it happened because a group of individuals realized that the wars of religion and persecution that tore Europe apart for several centuries were so destructive that it wasn't worth fighting over how you baptize people um, or whether you have images of Christ in your church or whether you don't. And when they came here, they decided there needed to be a real separation of church and state so that everyone could worship in whatever way they chose without... Stepping on anyone else's toes, and within that framework, the greater good was the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. And no document before had ever codified that happiness was a value worth pursuing. Um, that was a unique step forward spiritually that came about because you know a bunch of uh, you know quasi enlightened individuals said that was really ugly. Let's not do that again. That's how we stopped the war. Um, that's Absolutely. how we do that. You know, th- this is very timely because we just passed um, December seventh, Pearl Harbor Day, and I was yeah. giving a talk at a local unity church about this. Um, of, you know, the course says, you know, don't don't try to change the world. You know, change your perception of the world, and that's how we change the world. Um, so uh, I don't remember where we. Oh, Sandy Hook. Yeah. To the ego's eyes, it is horrible, and it and it can really. Um, I mean, it is. It's deeply disturbing. Nobody's mm-hmm. saying it isn't. What we're saying is that it can't be solved within the within the confines of the ego's world. You know, um, the Course says ideas leave not their source. You know, if your spirit was created by God, it will always be God. It can't separate from God, even if it gets lost in, you know, umpteen layers of illusion the ego is not god it's 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 a rogue thought form uh that has no connection to god or love therefore it can it can never get there and you cannot and i'm going to say this twice because it's it's important and it's it's sort of a bit abstract you can't solve a problem within a thought system that's designed to make that problem impossible to solve you can't solve the problem of ego and its many horrors within the paradigm the confines of the thought system that is the ego it just you know you you can't do it you can't teach yourself to fly by lying on the ground you know um so we have to see that 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 the only way out is to make a different choice because there is a completely different thought system and that we belong to both we have an ego look around it ain't pretty we also our spirit feel within It's not only pretty, it's magnificent, it's beautiful, it's loving, it's expansive, it's vast, and it's everyone you know. So which do you choose? The power that you have is your choice. Um, You know, here I go quoting a lesson again, you know, lesson 152, the power of decision is my own. Decision is the one remaining power that God's Son has, lost and wandering in this world of illusion. Uh, so that's where our power is how do we solve Sandy Hook we make another decision internally about how we see the world how do we deal with Hitler and forgive him we forgive him by realizing that Hitler is just one particular manifestation of an ego problem that's been there ever since day one of the separation and that we embody it as much as Hitler even though we haven't done nearly the kinds of things that he did um, and we heal it within ourselves we heal the split within ourselves that's how we heal the world yeah and
0: yeah, th- and yeah. that very passionately said um and that was my next thought which is the splinters our hopes our fears our expectations our biases our prejudices our resentments and grudges all these things that churn inside of us and hide behind the mask of the personality that we ourselves construct to protect ourselves from others um we've all seen comedians uh who hide very deep uh, depressions and and fears mm. and and very dark, very dark underneath the surface. And yet they're some of the funniest people we've ever encountered. This is that that uh, contrast yes. that I can provide for for the personality that's easy to recognize. But the idea is that we take these things, and whether it's one by one or layer by layer, however you approach it, in in the capacity that you feel is comfortable for you. But when we remove these splinters and heal these fissures, what we're talking about with these cracks in our inherent wholeness, it's what the Course describes as a consciousness split. Your mind is going in one direction. The the emotions are going in another direction. You feel torn. There's a reason you feel torn about certain things in your life is because aspects of the self are going in different directions. They are not unified. They are not in alignment, and this, this whole experience on this planet, everything we've encountered in our lives, the similar, the different, it, wherever we've learned to develop compassion for our fellow man, for ourselves, for people who have wronged us, for the ones who stood by us or nurtured us, it's all about oneness, it's all about that wholeness, it's all about at one or atonement,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: always remembering that we are all one so that to resent someone for playing their part in the in the role that is part of your movie that you wrote, it's pretty senseless. And when we <laughs> get down to brass tacks, if we look at the players in our lives, we look at the great canvas and the beautiful brush strokes and even some of the darker hues that remind us of things that made us feel bad or that we may even... Field destroyed us because the experience was so tragic or so horrific or so unexpected because we expected life to be smooth and we expected it to always be beautiful. And most of us expect to always be young, you know. Change is always constant. Growth is always constant. And you will never grow without some level of discomfort. But once we get it in our minds that it's all about oneness, it's all about wholeness, it's, all, it's about the atonement. We can look upon events like Sandy Hook and 9-11 and Hitler. Beautiful example. Charles Manson. All of these Mm. things and people that really trigger what is wrong with the world, what is wrong with people. It can only be changed by starting within because that is the law of energy. And that that is how this works. You cannot change anything outside of yourself because you're looking at an illusion. You're looking at a projection. So when we change the inside... We change our minds, we change our attitudes, our beliefs, our prejudices, and we, we move into acceptance and we immerse ourselves in that. I know it might seem hard, but despite the atrocities that we have witnessed over the past couple centuries and even further into history, despite those atrocities that took place, there really is balance in the world. We just have to choose to see it and become part of it and not further separation by judging, attacking, reinforcing that this world is crazy, that the people in it are crazy, because we would then be able to unify with the spark of holiness that is even in those crazy people and make a difference, because their spirit cannot
1: help but respond. Yeah.
0: I yeah. think I'm done. I think I'm done with that thought.
1: <laughs> that was good. Thank you. You know, um, in, uh, when we were talking uh a couple months ago um you know uh, about defenses uh and the atonement being the only defense that is not susceptible to being a two-edged sword mm. we can unite with other people behind um a variety of different endeavors you know we can all be working you know being on the same sports team and that that is a form of union and a form of loss of the individual self to a greater self we can have patriotism and serve our country which again is you know a way of losing yourself and and being of service to a greater uh, a greater entity than self but the only um service that aligns everyone the only uh you know sort of framework that we can ultimately serve without leaving someone out judging them um, you know, casting them aside, is the service of spirit, the service of, of, of oneness, uh, and that is the plan of atonement. And I guess I, in sort of rounding this off here, I'd like to come back to that notion of specialness, because the Course in Miracles does something um, very interesting with that, something very special with it. Um, it says that our egos feel they need to be special, you know we want our mask of personality uh to be as beautiful and wonderful and well liked or as powerful uh, or you know whatever quality you name it uh, as we can um but um that 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 uh uh you know I lost where I was going with that <laughs> you were talking
0: about wanting um, recognition respect you want our our mask to be revered and oh, powerful oh yeah
1: yeah that's right, but I, and I was talking about serving, you know, the, the idea of unification within yes. a, a greater oneness. But the atonement is is the only oneness that can do that. So we can wear the same mask as other people and all be on the same team. We're all Americans. We're all new, you know, New Jerseyans or Floridians. We're all Republicans. We're Democrats. We're, you know, and and, and the ego loves these affiliations. I think because it makes us feel like we're part of something bigger which is our natural state but still keeps us separate but when we go to know the only real service is to this idea of oneness that shines behind the mask when we you know re- recognize that, that that true alignment uh you know th- bring uh to bring the aspects of self into alignment requires taking off the mask and seeing that behind it there's the same light and love, that's the atonement. Um, And seeing that oneness in everyone is what A Course in Miracles calls Christ's vision, or real vision. You know, we're not seen with the body's eyes, which can only see separation, division, specialness, which can only make comparisons and make judgments from that. We're we're seeing from our own inner oneness that then recognizes that same thing in everyone. Now you still see bodies. I mean, you know, you're going to have a function here, um, but you're 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 not uh, you're not believing in them. And I just remembered where I was intending to go with that is that the mm-hmm. ego's specialness is one that separates. But of course, in miracles, takes that and says you're not special because um, you're all one. But you each have a special function. Each person has their own unique role to play in the atonement. So that, you know, you and I, Shar, perhaps in doing this show, we reach out to people um, or we lay down an archive that, you know, uh, in these so-called future people will be listening to, we're fulfilling our function. And that's Mm -hmm. something that perhaps only you and I can do. It doesn't make us special. It just means, you know, this is our job and... uh, you know if uh you know if we're a tool you know we're a sc- you know we're the hammer and there's a nail out there but someone else might be a screwdriver with a screw and someone else mm-hmm. is a saw that ne- so that everyone no matter where they find themselves has that marvelous capacity to play out their special function and in doing that further the atonement the process of healing the world uh so it's it's kind of like a i was going to say a consolation prize it isn't really a consolation prize It's that recognition that when we embrace the oneness and the love, that gets refracted through this world of form and illusion in such a way that we are allowed to play our ultimate healing role, and that's where our true happiness lies. Um, I think one of the toughest lessons for new students of the course, it certainly was for me, is to realize that no, you don't know what makes you happy. You think you do and you can pursue those paths for quite a while um, but at best you 're going to get temporary um periods of elation we don 't know what makes us happy. What makes us happy is fulfilling fulfilling our function. Our only function mm-hmm. is the one God gave us. our only function is salvation and i 'm you know just reeling off different lesson titles here from the course mm-hmm. when you fill your fulfill your function and play the role that salvation assigned to you um you 're going to be happy you 're going to be marvelously happy uh so you have a special function go to it folks you know that's what we're here for but you can only get to it by stepping back letting go finding that part of yourself that is one with everyone else which is what of course in miracles terms forgiveness um overlooking the separation overlooking the judgments um and in that way healing the you know healing the fractured uh sonship of god Um, fulfilling what um, in Judaism we call tikkun olam, uh, repairing the fractured shards of the oneness uh, and bringing them all back together. Um, that's, That's the only thing we're here for. If you're not doing that, you're just treading water and wasting time. If you are doing that, it's going to look completely different, you know, depending on who you are and where you are and what your abilities are, but, you know, you're fulfilling the atonement, you're healing the planet, and God bless you for that. And I think that's all I have to say on this topic. Okay.
0: Yeah, I think we're we're nearing the end. Um, wonderfully said, and everybody, all of us, if if we do one thing on this planet again, the, the title of the segment is the ego slave master murderer and thief. If we can all just choose, choose once again to set ourselves free out of the self-imposed prisons that we are walking around this planet in. Stop killing ideas and love and opportunities for forgiveness. And stop stealing simple moments to shine and feel special or to be self-aggrandizing so that we can seemingly be ahead of people, above people. Stop stealing those moments when eternity awaits. When we play our part in the atonement by performing our functions, then the atonement becomes ever closer, ever more within reach, and then any reason for this planet to exist will dissolve, right? Yeah, 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 amen, okay. yeah. Well, let's, um, let's get to our prayer. I have had, again, a magical time discussing this with you,
1: Dr. Bob. Oh, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for um, you know, for creating this opportunity for all of us.
0: And it's, speaking of spiritual teamwork, I I can't do it unless you hold up your side of the wall, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's, it's, it's like, another holy relationship.
0: It surely is, and it's it's so um like reaching through the technology, holding hands and saying what, what do we need to say, Father? Tell us what to do. Tell us what to say and, and show us where to go with this. And as we teach, we learn. So it's been wonderful. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I'll I'll take us out with the prayer and I'll look Good. forward to our next segment. Me too. Okay. This is from the book, Choose Once Again, Selections from A Course in Miracles, published by the Foundation for Inner Peace, page 22. My true identity is so secure, so lofty, sinless, glorious and great, wholly beneficent and free from guilt, that heaven looks to it to give it light. It lights the world as well. It is the gift my Father gave to me, the one as well I give the world. There is no gift but this that can be either given or received. This is reality and only this. This is illusion's end. It is the truth. My name, O Father, still is known to you. I have forgotten it and do not know where I am going, who I am, or what it is I do. Remind me, Father, now, for I am weary of the world I see. Reveal what you would have me see instead. Amen. Amen. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless and be at peace.